They were the heroes from the future. Teenagers protecting the universe from those that would sow the seeds of chaos. Each had unique powers and abilities. And though they often had their differences, they came together to save the day as the Legion of Superheroes. Now you can be a part of their adventures and learn the history of the future in the Legion Clubhouse. We actually had a really good conversation in the last episode of Legion Clubhouse. This episode, though, I'm not sure because, I don't know, I think we could probably find better Legion stories. Let's find out. Superboy number 229, Hunt for a Hero Killer. Published July 1977. Written by Paul Levitz with art by James Sherman. Synopsis. The Legion of Superheroes seeks vengeance for one of their own. Will they go too far? Hunt for a Hero Killer. Now, this is an interesting follow-up to the previous issue. Because in the last issue, for those people that don't remember, uh, Chemical King was murdered... And uh, now everybody's hot to go and take down the uh, general, the premier, the governor of Australia. Australia. And the dark circle that is uh, controlling him that we will find out. Or maybe we found that last time. I think they mentioned the dark circle. Yeah, last they time. mentioned dark circle last time. So they were going to go over to the dark circle homeworld or something. But first, a funeral for a friend. Why is the Time Trapper on the cover of this issue? I know, right? That's what I saw at first. And I was like, oh, Time Trapper. But then you have to realize Dark Circle has always been wearing the purple robes and the right. hooded thing. So it's very easy to mistake uh, Dark Circle for Time Trapper. Or really, it's you know, weird. some cloaked hooded figure. It's yeah, it, weird it is weird. 30 years into the Legion that they have two characters who run around, in this case, a character in a group who run around in purple bathrobes. That's odd to me. Yeah, no, it doesn't surprise me. Nefarious figures are always, always in cloaked robes. Purple robes. Purple robes that cover their head and let you wonder who is underneath the cloak. Who is the head of the dark circle? We will never find out. But first, we must bury a friend. No. Funeral for a friend once more. And we are on the magical planet of Shambhala. Shanghala. Whatever. Um... Everyone seems a little mopey and they're all sharing their thoughts on what his life meant to them. When in reality, we haven't seen chemical King in like two years, but that doesn't mean the legionnaires haven't seen him. It means he hasn't been in a starring role, but I mean, he's one of their own. Even if you remember, these guys are still young kids. If you ever lose part of your peer group at that age, I mean, it happened to me in college it is very much affecting. I mean, there are people I know now who are 50 and 51 years old who are still affected by losing one of our peer group in, you know, 1993. So mm-hmm. I definitely feel like it works for me. I really like the opening shot of the, the, the funeral, with the exception of the fact that it looks really casual because Timberwolf was doing a thinker pose and – Light last looks like she's modeling for the Sears catalog for three thousand and twenty-six. It's it's a nice shot, but it's just it's really weirdly put together. So who's buried at Shanghala? Because I only I thought that this was only a place for the Legion members that they had uh, hoisted up there, but as we see, there's like thirty graves up on Shanghala. Yes. 
Shanghala is not a legion burial site. It is, in fact, a hero burial site. Ah, in the okay. first appearances of Shanghala, uh, after duplicate, or after rather, Duo Damsel lost her third in Adventure 341, we actually see uh, Lita 87 is buried there. A character named Hateface, who is one of my favorite characters. You remember uh, Beast Boy from the Heroes of Lalor, who died in like Adventure 335 or mm-hmm, so? Mm-hmm. Beast Boy is there at this point. Invisible Kid, Pharaoh Lad, and one of Triplicate Girl are there. Nimbaka Valor and a guy named Magia Gore, who I think is a Cthulian monstrosity. Um, by the time they actually stop using Shanghala in the 90s, there's like a dozen legionnaires there. There's a lot of dead legionnaires. Okay, and, I was just curious because I can't remember. I'm sure yeah. we talked about this before, but it was just like, oh, wow, there is actually a lot of dead bodies here. Are there, you know, are, yeah. are, is, the, is the writer telling us something that, uh, that we are not <laughs> privy to that, you know, suddenly we will find out that all of our favorite legion members have been dead this entire time and they've been replaced by good robot S's? No, uh, actually, when we first saw Shanghala, it was an existing cemetery for heroes, and that's where they took Triplicate Girl. So, yeah, later it does get to become, you know, more of a Legion thing. But again, they kill a lot of Legionnaires. I mean, literally, literally, you you suck. Stop <laughs> saying it. By the time we get to there, I mean, Superboy is buried there, Karate Kid, Triplicate Girl, Invisible Kid, Magnetic Kid, I think Block gets buried there, a Lightning Lad gets buried how, there. How does Superboy get buried there? Superboy can't die. Superboy can die when it's the Superboy of the Pocket Universe, which doesn't happen until oh 1987, God. so it's probably about 100 episodes down the line. I don't think it's 100 episodes down the line. I mean, we are in 1977. And right. we are going to quickly approach five year later and post crisis very quickly within the next, I, I would say two I years. You are underestimating because remember those first few years we had a legion every month. And then we jumped from like 1968 to 1975 in no time because the book was appearing bi-monthly. Mm-hmm. And now we're getting to a point where there are going to be two Legion stories appearing every single month ah. from about 1982 to at least 1989. Yeah, but we're also skipping a bunch of stuff, too. I mean, we skipped uh, Superman 295. Uh, we skipped sure. some Karate Kid stuff. So I'm not saying all the upcoming. In fact, I, as this episode proves, not all upcoming issues are good issues. <laughs> no, because this one is not. Um, and you brought up an interesting point that I hadn't thought about. They mentioned... Darragon returning to his home planet. Yeah, so that does bring up some questions that I have because he's the governor of the Australian Earth uh, province. Right. We know that the president of the uh, United Planets is not from Earth. Right. Uh, so I wonder if it just means that anyone can come in and govern, you know, if, if there's someone from Remulac that wants to come in and wants to be the president of Metropolis. Well, that's a little bit different than a governorship. You know, right. uh, presidents in the United States, for those that don't know, and this was a big contention point uh, during one of the previous elections, was that uh, there was this weird movement of these nut jobs that swore up and down that President Obama was not born in the United States, so therefore... He was it was illegal for him uh, to be president. They called that he was an uh, illegitimate president. And of course, that proved to be wrong. 
but I'm not sure if that's the case in all the other countries or if in the future they change those rules. Because, for example, to be a governor in the United States, you don't have to be born here. Right. Right. Uh, A perfect example of this is Arnold Schwarzenegger, who was born in Austria, later Mm -hmm. became governor of California. And of course, he's not. I mean, he's a U.S. citizen, but he's not a naturalized U.S. citizen. Um, I I think that if there's another there's a a current sitting senator who was born in Canada, uh, but he has parents were um, U.S. residents. So I wonder if at some point, if that person decides to run for office, heaven protect him if he does. If people will will bring up the fact that he was not born in the United States and try to discredit him on that. But I was just curious if in the future, if we knew where Dargon, you know, what what led him to become the governor of an Earth province? We don't. Uh, Dargon's total appearances count this issue, yeah, the last issue. issue. And a Timberwolf, or uh, not a Timberwolf, excuse me, a Chemical King episode of Secret Origins in mm. like 1989. Okay. And none of them identify where he's from. He's clearly humanoid, but he may not be a human. And given the way that the Legion is set up and how many different countries and planets, I guess I should say, and how many different planets are actually represented, I'm wondering if, you know, all you have to do is come to earth and decide to be a citizen of yeah, the earth shake some, and, shake some hands, uh, kiss some babies, yeah. kiss uh, some ones, hands, shake some babies. Yes. The ones who don't uh, get, get elected are the ones that uh, uh, kiss hands and shake babies. So don't, don't right. shake babies that, that will not get you elected to office. Wildfire would do that because wildfire is, is a jerk. Uh, he really is. And it's, and it's, you know, we've talked about this in a previous episode where it's him and Sunboy are really the kind of uh, jerky jerks of the team. And I can't help. I know that we are, we're right around the Wolverine days uh, coming up on those, but it just really feels like, you know, when Wolverine comes on the scene, he's also gruff. He's also kind of uh, off, puts you off. Uh, and Timberwolf certainly does that. And I wonder at what point the quote unquote jerk team member starts to become a big deal because in previous incarnations of the Legion, and I'm talking about the, you know, the, the, the late fifties, early sixties Legion, um, you don't have a lot of characters who are, the jerk character. You have a lot of characters who are, have jerk moments, but you don't have people that are negative Nellies, uh, as their shtick. Yeah. And I think that rolls out of Marvel and, uh, San Lee's insistence that every hero have human characteristics and, you know, feet of clay. The first big jerk hero I can think of that isn't, you know, Iron Man or one of the Marvel heroes is probably, uh, Green Arrow. Mm, who yeah, started yeah, yeah. being a real jerk at the beginning of the Bronze Age, yeah. and you know, yeah, leading up to the leading up to the heroes uh, on the road, hard, hard, uh, yeah, what is hard it? traveling, hard heroes. traveling heroes. And I feel like this book is definitely using Wildfire in that Green Arrow type role as kind of an instigator, as a rabble rouser who's still basically a good noble guy, mm-hmm. but talks a you know a jerk game and rigs the computer to choose the team that he wants ordering the rest of the team because he's the leader to stay home. So he can take out this big team in a revenge plot to find Darragon and probably beat the snot out of it. And it is uh, pretty much your, your heavy hitters, right? You got your Superboy, you got your son boy. Um, who Mon-El. else is on Monel? Wild, wildfire himself, Superboy, Monel, Timberwolf, who has a personal stake in this because mm-hmm. 
they're playing him as you know being Chemical King's friend, and of course Dawnstar, who Wildfire has a thing for, and who also. Uh, you know they need a tracker, right? That's that's the that's that's her. That's the reason why she's there. We already talked about the problems with that in previous episodes. Uh, so go track that down. Wildfire has the huts for her doodah. The doo-dah. other thing that this issue does pretty clearly, and I think while it has happened in the past, I think this is a moment, at least for me, where Paul Levitz is basically saying. The Legion works best when we give you five at a time. Yes. I mean, he is really into, we saw this last issue. We saw it several times before five characters, but it also kind of gets undermined a little bit here because the five characters go off and while there's some people at home. Yeah. 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 Right. Well, and you know, when your friends are on a deadly mission in space, what time it is, I mean, it's time to go to Disneyland. You get so few, and I want to come back to the five members here in just a moment, but you get so few downtimes or off days that yes, they've been sent on a, sent on a mission. Your job is to relax and recuperate and uh, save up your brain cells so that when the next mission comes and you're asked to go in, you're refreshed. We've seen what happens when Legion members don't take their necessary R&R time and they go a little bit cray cray. And that causes problems for for the Legion and their their posts. But we'll come back to that in a moment. I want to get back to the five at a time, because one of the things that I've said when it comes to doing a television adaptation of the Legion, and I know you've always questioned, how are they going to do this when you've got 52 members of the Legion? You can't have 52 people in an episode. Well, you can if it's a big, you know, big episode. But for the most part, every week. You've got a rotating cast of characters that are five of them that go out and do their mission and come back and you and you follow that. Sometimes it's the espionage squad, which is not the group here. Uh, but other right. times you have the heavy hitters. Sometimes you have a special guest appearance by Superboy who's traveled from the past to the future for this week's oh. episode. But I think it's easy to keep a team of five going because it's also easier for the reader to remember, except for me, because I mess up everybody's name. But um, true, it's yeah. easy to keep you know, five things in your mind when you're reading, as opposed to 25 things in your mind while you're reading and going, okay, who's this again? Who's this again? Because then it gets super repetitive to go way to go. Elongated boy way to go. bee queen, uh, you know, and, and doing that again and again, uh, becomes very tiresome. Now, speaking of tiresome, mm-hmm. this issue spends a lot of time with the narrator conveying things to you in the, in the narrator box. Yes. I, I like that. I like the writing that Paul Levitz is doing there. However, when it comes to put putting words in the character's mouths, he doesn't do as good with that because, man, every panel he's hitting the reader over the uh, over the head with Daragon's name. Uh, we've got to go get Daragon. Don't forget Daragon, 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 Daragon. Uh, over and over again, it's like, who, who are we going after again? What's this guy's name? I keep forgetting <laughs> because every time someone opens their mouth. They're saying Daragon. And I can understand in in some short story telling, you don't want to get people confused when you say, let's go get him. Well, who do you mean him? Uh, so using those, those uh, pr- the, the, whatever the, the, the simple ner- uh, terms for designating characters can get super confusing. But the over repetition of Daragon's name just drove me up the wall. Saying all those nouns over and over can really wear you down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I can definitely see that. Uh, It feels like he's still kind of emulating Carrie Bates and Carrie Bates has a very specific writing style. I mean, 
Levitz eventually makes the Legion his own thing and kind of redesigns how to do these these books. And you know, eventually he he said that he had this huge flow chart of who's doing what where and who's mm-hmm. into what stuff and banging mm-hmm. off of the other walls. And I really appreciate that. And I feel like seeing that build up here is nice. And I feel like there are some nice continuity moments in this issue and the next issue as well that remind me, oh yeah, this book's been around for a while. Because the three Legion founders go and hang out together with Cosmic Boy's girlfriend, Night Girl, uh, wearing their cool disco bondage uh, outfits. Yeah. I, I swear, Imra's outfit is just amazing. It's this furry crop top with like hot pants and and gladiator boots. It's amazing. But yeah, so going back into that storyline, yeah. so the, the the hard-hitting heroes all go out onto the uh, Dark Circle's um, home planet where they find out it's all a trap and the leader is there it's by hologram projection or force projection or whatever that you want to call it. Uh, meanwhile, Daragon never left Earth. He's still hiding out there. In fact, he's hiding out in the very amusement park that Saturn Girl and the rest of her, her friends have gone to hang out on. Uh, and, uh, she's probably figured out, well, why am I here? If he's still on planet earth, oh, it must be my uncontrollable, controllable, uh, thought process that has drawn me to him. Let us go take down Daragon in a couple of panels and that will be the end of him. Yeah. It's kind of scary when she goes flat out angry. She's like, the Legion will bring this killer to justice. It's a little terrifying to see Imra. Uh, you know, in the in the 90s, they refer to her as Iron Butt Imra, and you can tell why in this issue, because the three not founding because of the members, shorts. Let me let me assure no, you of that. No, 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 no. The three founding members go into battle together, and she is clearly the leader. She is clearly the instigator, and she is clearly the one who is driving this team. And it's it's a little intimidating. I really appreciate the fact that you can, you know, have a character this strong-willed and this clearly in charge while wearing a pink pleather bikini. So one of the things that we find out at this uh, big amusement park that basically takes up all of Smallville mm-hmm. is that uh, amusement park, place where people are coming to hang out, no problem with having chemical waste running through the sewer system, an open sewer system. <laughs> Uh, for people to uh, come across and potentially fall in, because that's exactly what happens to Daragon. Daragon meets a, uh, a a terrible fate because he's running away from the Legion members, and all yep. of a sudden he sees a big spark and he thinks that he's being uh, shot at or something, and he trips and he falls into this vat of chemical, uh, you know, killer waste stuff. And we find out that he wasn't being shot at at all. It was uh, Lightning Lad shooting up his bolts up into the air. So that they could illuminate the area and maybe even scare out where Daragon was. And then he freaked out and fell into it. Now, you asked this in this very interesting question about, is this death by Legion member? Yeah, he does not die. But in the first read, I thought, oh, he's dead. He's oh, yeah, clearly- he's floating face down in chemical waste. If Daragon had died because of Lightning Lad's blast, would Lightning Lad be responsible for Daragon's death? And it's a, I mean, it's a difficult question. Obviously the question of superheroes who kill is a fraught one anyway. I mean, you'll have people who will argue both sides of the equation endlessly, but from my perspective, it's really hard to say, you know, because Daragon does live, he gets walked away in irons in the second to last panel of this issue. Mm -hmm. And I didn't catch that the first time, but even so you have to ask yourself, 
where does he where do you draw that line with the legion considering that starboy was actually drummed out of the team for a situation that was a little bit less um ambiguous than this i mean starboy uh, admitted you know, he to did make him. he did make that branch fall on the guy he did and he admitted to doing it and he didn't intend for the man to die but he did something that led to a character's death so you know, I'm had not, Darragon died here. I'm not sure that this qualifies as a lightning lad. You must be drummed out of the service because right. your lighting up the sky caused this guy to be distracted and fall in. That's a pretty big stretch of, you know, of logic. I, I would, I mean, I'm sure a, a lawyer, a really good lawyer uh, with his Southern accent and his suspenders would no, be no, able no, to no, figure no. out a way to justify the logic of, well, you shot that up into the sky. So therefore he died and you are responsible. Also ah. 37, 37 hospitals reported deaths around the same time. So you're also responsible for them too. Hey, hey, hey but I'm just a poor country lawyer. Um, <laughs> I don't think Andy Griffith. The yeah, I don't think that, I don't think that that can be argued here, especially when later on we find out he's not dead, which somebody right. may have had to pull Paul Levitz aside and say, uh, you know, if they kill, they have they to kill. be, they have to be kicked out of the club and he had to be maybe right in that last panel to assure the young children yes. that no death has occurred. Although he's a bad guy. And according to the comics code, as long as the, as the bad guy dies because he's doing something evil, like escaping, it's okay. Yeah. And you know, the last panel does kind of address that because cosmic boy says he's almost doubting the legions code against killing. And it's actually there as a setup for another discussion between Lightning Lad and Saturn Girl about another change in the Legion Constitution that they want to make, which is foreshadowing something that's going to happen in a few episodes. But it's interesting to have that come down. And early in the issue, when Dawnstar is like, well, I mean, we're going to go out. We're powerful, too. Saturn Girl is like, this is Legion tradition. Yeah. I'm like, you've had two members die. And in neither case did you do anything like what you're saying you want to do, Imra. So what tradition are we referring to? Is it is it being okay to kill people that really deserve it? I don't know. She's like, Legion traditions, and then she gets cut off. But I don't know. I would feel that Legion tradition clearly states you can't kill. You'll get thrown out if you do kill. When Pharaoh Lad died, he was basically annihilated by a bomb in the heart of a Sun Eater. Yeah. So there was really no one to fight. When Invisible Kid died, everybody just went, oh, it's so nice that he's reunited with his zombie ghost girlfriend. So there wasn't really anyone to do there either. I mean, Validus did kill him, but they didn't immediately go seeking out Validus. In fact, I think that issue ended with them putting Validus back in, in jail, but it didn't turn into a, the Legion going out to fight. So I'm not sure what Legion tradition she's referring to. Well, maybe it is. Uh, it's okay to kill everyone else except for your future son. Maybe that's what she meant. <laughs> Shh, we don't know that yet. <laughs> okay, so there's one final thing that I want to cover uh, in this issue, and it says, hey, kids, go back and look or go and look and see what happened in Action Comics 387. And I honestly don't remember what happened in Action Comics 387. Well, fortunately, that's why you've got me. Uh, Action 387, you will remember as soon as I explain to you, do you remember when the EarthGov came in and said the Legion has too many members to remain oh, a yeah, tax-free yeah, yeah, organization yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and Superboy had to quit? Yeah. That's the story they're referring to. At the beginning of that episode, 
they were given a magic warp transfer device, which is used in this issue to teleport the Legionnaires who go out to the Dark Circle back. And the United Planet said, it's a tax-free gift. And somebody said, no, you have too many members to be tax-free. That's the story where Superboy quit for about a minute and a half back in 1970. Uh, okay, 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 okay. Well, yep. but that's still, I think, far enough back. Oh, yeah. Seven years that there's probably a lot of people who were reading this that probably are like, I have no idea what's I going on I didn't remember here. it until I looked it up. Because, I, I mean, when we were reading through this issue and I was doing my notes, I'm like, okay, we need to look back at that. And we need to check on a couple of other notes. And then we went back to Action 387 and there in that very first panel, they teleport Element Lad to another planet and teleport him back. Yeah, that's interesting. Didn't uh, What was the... Um... What's the box? Uh, who? Ron Star's time cube. Oh, that's a time cube. Okay. Uh, that's not a teleportation yep. device. Okay. So Same again, once I again, too, yeah. <laughs> long, long-term Star Trek borrow, borrowing here in, in this issue for their teleporter. This is long-term though. This is like deep space. Teleporters. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so one final thing really quick at the beginning of the issue, they spend a little bit of time telling you what happened in the previous issue. Mm-hmm. I found that explanation section much more clear than the actual issue that we read. I don't disagree. If you enjoy the show, we would appreciate your support. You can find out more and become a Legion Clubhouse member at patreon.com slash major spoilers. As we record this episode of the Legion Clubhouse, the previous episode has just been released. So I'm sure many of you are probably tweeting at us or sending a a message to us at our podcast at Majorspoilers.com email address or going over to our Discord server to say, hey, there's something that you missed in the last episode, and that was a price change. Well, let's talk about that right now before everybody floods us. Even then, they're already going to flood us, and they'll hear in two weeks going, oh, oh my gosh, uh, these guys covered this in detail and in depth. Oh, ah, now I feel really bad about sending snarky, (laughs) evil comments to these guys because clearly they know what they're doing on this show. That is absolutely true. Stephen is correct. Issue 228 of The Legion, which we did last episode, was the first issue of Legion of Superheroes. In this case, Superboy and The Legion of Superheroes on the cover at 35 cent price point. Uh, That would have been 1977. I believe it would have been February of 1977 with a street date. Um, But it's one of those things that fascinates me because... Do you know how much the very first DC comic ever printed cost on the newsstand in 1935, Stephen? Oh, in 1935. I was going to say, uh, today you can get a copy of uh, Action Comics <laughs> in good condition for an easy $1 million. Uh, but yep. back then, and, I, I suppose if we got to move some decimals back, calculating days, times, dates, it's probably going to be somewhere between 5 and $0.10. Cents. Correct. It was $0.10. Cents. Most comics were $0.10. Cents. In the Golden Age, New Fun Comics number one came out in February of 35 and cost 10 cents. Now, this volume of Superboy started in 1949 mm-hmm. and cost, what do you think, Stephen? I'm going to say with inflation, 11 cents. 10 cents. Wow. So 15 years in, 10 cents. The first 12 cent issue of Superboy was issue 93, which came out in December of 61. Mm-hmm. But... Uh, you'll note that once they pushed that first price increase, 
uh, the comic book industry started rolling a little quicker because the books went to 15 cents with Superboy number 158 in July of 69, then to 20 cents only a, like three years later, July of 73, Superboy number 188 was the first 20 cent issue. Then 205, right after the uh, right after the wedding issue, was the first issue at 25 cents. Then 216, the first appearance of Tyrock, was the first issue that cost 30 cents. I remember at some point taking note of that being the first 30 cent issue and not mentioning it. So I feel bad that I didn't. But now that we're doing it, you know. And of course, Superboy 228 is that first issue at 35 cents. The 35 cent price point doesn't last very long. No, but uh, we'll also see that it that it jumps up because we're getting right around the same time the DC explosion is about to happen. And one of the things that they wanted to do was offer more pages of comics for an increased price. And that was unheard of at the time because the jump that DC makes was much higher than any other comic was doing. And I think DC was hoping that once they saw where they were going on this, that everyone else would also pony up and say, okay, let's offer more pages and let's, let's bring that price up to be more in line because you're right. Uh, comics for their price point is still incredibly low in 1977 compared to a jug of milk uh, compared to a blue plate special, uh, those kinds right. of things. And so uh, it makes sense to say, Oh, we need to, keep pace with uh, the cost of living. And of course, some people have already written to us to let us know that it really depends on where you were in the world at this time. And you compare things to jugs of milk because in Australia, uh, uh, jugs of milk were uh, far cheaper than, than, than 35 cents a gallon or whatever it is. I, I'm just uh, using that as an example. I'm not using that as a prove me wrong kind of moment for those of you who are quickly <laughs> typing your podcast. Oh, I'm right in the middle of listening to your discussion about the price of comics. And I just want to point out that at the time, the price of milk in California, I, mean, I don't care about that. I'm, I'm making a point here. Um, and you and, make and a the, good point the, because starting next issue, mm -hmm. Legion of Superheroes goes double sized. Yeah. But also starts costing 60 cents. Yeah. And this is this is part of the DC explosion. The weird yep. thing is that today it seems like comics are way expensive. And I and I will say that I feel that comics today are way more expensive for what you're getting, you know, uh, four, five and six dollars for 28 or 30 pages of comics. This seems rather outrageous. Uh, and there certainly there are companies that are trying to reduce those costs. Some companies are like, well, we don't need to print out the slick uh, ink filled uh, glossy paper stuff every month. We can keep this at a dollar ninety nine by reducing the paper stock. And I and I kind of wish that other publishers would kind of follow that suit uh, because a lot of the, the cost is being eaten up in that in that paper cost. If they wanted to put out a four dollar issue or a three issue or a two ninety nine issue on lesser quality paper and pay the the writers and artists a little bit more, I'd be all for that. But at this point, you know, if people are clutching their, their pearls in 1977 over the cost of a comic book going from 35 cents to 60 cents, uh, they would probably pass out today. No, I take that back today. They would <laughs> gladly be going, yes, I will gladly pay $6 for this comic because I'm an addict and I can't stop it. Um, so, uh, don't, don't be that guy. Um, you can let your, your publisher know that you're displeased with the cost of comics by not buying those comics. Uh, and also not pirating those comics. Uh, but right. if, if it's too expensive for you, then then don't buy it. Superboy number 230. The creature who conned the Legion. 
published August 1977, written by Paul Levitz with art by James Sherman. Synopsis. Mystical gems bring the Legion to the brink of disaster. Final issue time, Superboy 230. Yeah. There are issues of Legion of Superheroes that just sort of happen. And you read about them and you're like, oh, that that happened. It's been a while since we've had one, but 230 is definitely one of those issues. Um, uh, neither of us really have a whole lot to say about this story. Yeah, so Superboy, uh, Sunboy, Dreamgirl, Brainiac 5, and Element Lad are all on the planet of the Remorians yep. for an award or some kind of ceremony, or maybe it's 4-H day and they have to give a presentation. I don't know what's going on, but apparently the Remorians are a bunch of dwarfs. Uh, you can tell because they're short people with big heads and they're all into mining. Yes. And somehow they're actual uh, Tolkien dwarves. Yes. I they have cracked open the, the, the surface of the planet and this giant monster comes out and is like, if you don't want me to destroy this planet, then bring me the Ajanti dagger. <laughs> and then the, the heroes are like, okay, we'll go get the knife. And they come back and the end. Yeah. Well, I mean, Esden or whatever his name is, Steden or whatever you Sedan. Sedan is a great Sedan. looking monster. And unfortunately, this story is wasted on a good looking monster. Kind of like that one episode of The Outer Limits um, uh, where the monster from Venus comes down and takes over the planet and he kills the girl. Right. Uh, great looking monster in that. Uh, wasted on kind of a ho-hum story. But that's kind of what happens here. Yeah, Sedan is a truly alien alien. Um, and by Legion standards, just amazing. Jim Sherman uh, is art, or rather, Jim Sherman is handling the pencils this issue, and he truly makes the character freaky and alien. And he almost gets past Jack Abel's just suffocating inks. Um, but yeah, it really kind of breaks down to... I think the biggest problem with this issue for me is the fact that the last panel of the first story, the Sedan story, teases Superboy going home for a solo adventure that's actually a much better story. Uh, adventure Comics 453, really, really good story. This story is basically a bait and switch. And the, the positive things I can say about it is, I really like the art. I feel like Jim is doing new and fascinating things with the art. Once again, Levitz is focusing on Dream Girl, as a leader, as a central figure, as somebody who offers something beyond just passing out and seeing the future. And I feel like Sedan is a really, really cool, almost a Mars Attacks looking alien. A little bit, yeah. Freaky, freaky alien. But other than that, it's just sort of, oh, I mean, My... they show up, they're on this planet coincidentally. Yeah. The bad guy shows up coincidentally. They're getting some some sort of award that's never really explained, and it turns out that they happen to bring Sunboy along, and that's a good thing because the alien is immune to flame or is susceptible to flame. And oh, oh dear, the dear. weird the weird thing about this story is my summary at the end. I basically say this feels like it really should have been one of those Hostess fruit pie ads. <laughs> where the monster comes out and instead of going after this mysterious gem or diamond or whatever that he has to go get 
and it's all just a, a gag to to do something else. Um, it really feels like he should have said, bring me all the hostess fruit pies in the land or I will destroy this planet and then have them go and do their adventure. And in the end, uh, you know, it's the hostess fruit pies that that save the day because they're so delicious. How can I be angry at this planet when they have these delicious fruit pies? I would never destroy a planet that has delicious fruit pies. Does your planet have fruit pies? And then at the end, hey, go and, and you know, you can see a sun boy taking a bite out of a, a peach pie saying, oh, hey, everybody, make sure your local grocer has uh, plenty of fruit pies on stock because we don't want this guy coming around. Winky wink. You get a big delight in every bite. I will say there is one other thing about this issue that's interesting. It oh, is the no, first... no, 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 wait, wait. You're implying by that statement that there's something interesting in this issue. Dream Girl. Dream no. Girl is interesting. No, she's not. I think she is. Also, we have what I believe is the first Legion reference to the quote-unquote real-life sport of Moops Ball. I thought we uh, have talked about that before. I don't know. I cannot remember talking about Moops Ball, but because of this issue, I went looking to find out how Moops Ball is played. Do you know how Moops Ball is played, Stephen? Do I care? You do, because okay. it's fascinating. All 325 right. people are divided into two teams. The game lasts three days on a field that is 10 times the size of a football team. You get 10 shieldsmen, 10 hoopsmen, 10 flingers, 20 cavalrymen, five buglers, one standard bearer, one captain, and one wizard. And the two teams fight for three days with uh, plastic bats, basically. And I'm like, I, can this be real? And I looked it up. This is apparently created uh, as part of a science fiction story, but real people went and tried to play real moops ball over the course of weekends in the seventies based on those stories uh, from analog, I believe. And now they're showing up in this Legion stuff. And I'm like, is Levitz a fan Maybe. of moops ball? Might be. In the end, whoever captures the golden snitch wins is my understanding. Uh, you're actually close. Uh, there's also a point where you need 325 friends. Yeah. And I don't think I even know 325 people. Uh, the only reason why I mentioned the golden snitch is there was a great bit on a recent owl house episode where the, a snitched like, uh, MacGuffin up makes the appearance and the team loses. And, uh, the, the main lead is like, why, why do we even play this game? If there's such a thing that, uh, that causes you to lose instantly. And the other, the other characters basically like, Hey, any fantasy sport has some derivative of this in it. And they're of course making fun <laughs> of Harry Potter, but uh moops ball sounds like the same way. Uh, so that's nice. not the only boring story in this issue. No. We also get a story about bouncing boy and the Which power of electricity. All right. All right. So, during the funeral of Chemical King after his death last episode. Yeah, yeah. Bouncing Boy returned from uh, basically reserve duty to handle the Legion monitor while all of the other Legionnaires and presumably his wife went to say their goodbyes to a member of the Legion on Shanghala, which is great. You know, Bouncing Boy doesn't have any powers. He's going to go. He's going to hang out. But unfortunately, Devron, you remember Devron? DeVron. I know, I know DeVry, where you can go and get a degree on, uh, on, uh, <laughs> AC repair and household plumbing and maybe even computers. DeVron is the Legion rookie who broke into headquarters and nearly got killed 
by Colossal Boy like 20 issues ago. He's back. He's still useless. And he not only nearly gets killed in this issue, he gets in a fist fight with Bouncing Boy, ending up with both of them trapped in the Legion security system. Now, you know, I don't want to once again rehash the, the statement that Bouncing Boy is simply the worst character in this series. You should. But let's just say That's that he gets captured by his own security system. He does get captured after being beaten up by a cop, and he uses his own resilience and resourcefulness to... I'm going to touch the side of this sphere. Ow! Hey, it's giving me back my powers. I wish I had a bottle of plastic fluid, but by throwing himself at great personal difficulty and possible injury into an electron field... He reinflates to full bouncing powers. Yes, and the first thing that he says to uh, to Devry is, "Hey, man, maybe we shouldn't let anyone know we're stupid because <laughs> we will never hear the end of this." I've still yet to hear the end of me accidentally drinking a chemical formula instead of a super soda, and I haven't lived that down. If people find out that I got trapped in our own security system. I'm going to be the laughing stock of the Legion for decades to come. And the story ends with Lightning Lad going, it's almost like you're one of us again. And Bouncing Boy doing the Superman wink to the camera. I'm afraid my powers are gone forever. Oh, yeah. He also doesn't want his wife to find out about it because apparently if his wife finds out about it, she's going to make him do extra work or something. And he doesn't want any of that to happen. So, She'll be worried that he's always sneaking off to be a superhero, which is dumb. I mean, comic books have never been good at doing anything regarding married life, and this is just 70s misogyny. Yeah, the, I mean, the old ball and chain is going to keep him from having adventures. And We and have shop. seen bad marriage relationships between uh, Ralph and Sue. We've seen mm-hmm. bad takes on marriage between Spider-Man and Mary Jane, uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp, uh, Reed Richards and Sue Storm. Uh, Just time and time again, when it comes to family, the only time that I think they did it somewhat right was with Wally West and um, Linda Park Park, when they were married and it actually became part of a working relationship. Unfortunately, it all got screwed up the minute that they introduced kids and none of the writers knew how to deal with Jay and uh, Iris. Wasn't that her name, Iris? Yeah. Um, Yeah, Iris. So it's just like, yeah, I wish there were writers who really understood, um, you know, how to write a married couple, how to write people in a good relationship. Uh, the easy thing is anytime there's an argument, oh, my girlfriend has broke up with me or, oh, my boyfriend has broke up with me. Now I'm going to be mopey, mopey, mopey uh, for several issues until I have to save him or her and we get back together. Uh, and so, yeah, this just kind of feels a lot like that. And I'm not a big fan. Well, I mean, a happy couple is dramatically inert, which makes for difficulties when you're trying to create endless complications and endless, you know, bits of conflict for your characters. But I I agree. I, I will say this. The second story in this issue is only six pages long, and it's better than the lead story. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's, I would agree with you on that. I mean, that's faint praise because the Sedan story is just also dumb. Eh. 
it's it's not good. It's not a good story. But the Bouncing Boy story is better, and I feel like it's great that he has his powers back. Yeah, it's really weird yeah. when he when he first reaches out to touch the side of the sphere. It's weird how they draw this transformation because Chuck's hands go from somewhat realistic cartoon depiction of a hand to as it inflates. You can see over the course of three panels, it just goes into redonkulous cartoon hand, right? Where it's like no detail, just these big sausage fingers. And it looks like something that you would see on a on a fairly cheap Saturday morning cartoon where they really don't care. They just have trying to draw the hands as fast as possible. I found that somewhat amusing in in how um, uh, Sherman draws. Uh, I'm sorry, it's not even Sherman in this one. It's Michael Netzer uh, drawing Netzer, Chuck's yeah. hands in this particular story. Yeah, and I like that. I feel like it kind of embraces the silliness of Bouncing Boy's power. His take on Bouncing Boy is one of the cooler ones because you see him inflate, you see him be, I mean, he's not ridiculously circular. He still might be a human, but it's clear that he's inflating and doing something. I like that. Yeah. I don't yeah. like it as much when Keith Giffen does it down the line, but we'll get there. That wraps it up for this installment of the Legion Clubhouse. Thank you so much for downloading our episodes when they come out. We enjoy producing them. I was just saying on Twitter the other day, Matthew, that I think Legion Clubhouse is the show that I enjoy. Of all the shows that we do at the Major Spoilers Podcast Network, and we're doing like upwards of eight a week, mm -hmm. Legion Clubhouse is the one that I constantly enjoy sitting down and talking about, the one I constantly enjoy putting together. By far, it is my favorite uh, show that we do, and I hope you, dear listener, find this to be your favorite show of all the ones that we do. Let us know at uh, patreon.com slash major spoilers. Uh, we would certainly appreciate your support there as well. Matthew, before we get out of here this week, I think there's some important lessons that we can learn. That's true. We've learned that even being a legionnaire doesn't mean that the writers know how to spell your name. That is true. Also, Chuck Tain is just dumb. I'm sorry. He's just dumb. And we've also learned, how dare you? <laughs> how we'll be, very dare you, sir? We will be back next week. Until then, remember, make sure your grocery store has plenty of fruit pies. And I'm Boingy Boy. And I'm the other one that's not dumb. The Legion Clubhouse is a production of Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC, and is produced by Steven Schleicher. Your hosts were Matthew Peterson and Steven Schleicher. You can follow Matthew at Mighty King Cobra and Steven at Major Spoilers. You can follow this podcast on Twitter at Legion Clubhouse. If you have questions or comments, send them to podcast at Majorspoilers.com. I'm Jason Inman. Until next time, eat it, Grandpa. This podcast is copyright 2020 by Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC.